1: Good afternoon to you, Southern California. Welcome to Southern California Live on KKLA and KPRZ. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow of the First Baptist Church of San Diego and the host of Cultivating Ethos on KPRZ in San Diego every day at 1130. It is great to be with you again today. I'm with you for just one day this week, and I'll be back in a couple weeks. We'll get a few days then. But I'm here just for one day today, and as I thought about it, I thought, what should we talk about for, for one day? I hope to be able to talk with you about some things and see if we can maybe come to a solution or come to some good ideas about some things that are going on in our culture today. You can give me a call and be a part of the show at 888-52-TALKS, eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. So I took a look at the news and uh, what's important going on in the news. Lots of stories right now. And, uh, so hopefully you have your coffee. That's something that's important for this period of time in the afternoon. I believe personally, I just think it's really important. I think the coffee is something that Jesus would obviously have have had. Is that obvious? I don't know. maybe that's just not right to say, but I do like to refer to it as the brew of the believer, the libation of the liberated. I got a whole I got a million of them, but I'm not here all week. I'm here just for today. so. Lots going on in the news today and lots of confusion about different things, which is the new thing. There is a new Los Angeles City mandate that people have to show proof of vaccination to go indoors, indoors at most places. You've got to show proof of vaccination. I think that starts tonight. Is that right? I think that's true. Want to talk about that? Eight 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 fifty two talks eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Did you know that at the same time that uh, this is happening in Los Angeles, that San Francisco is actually beginning to relax some of its mandates? That's interesting. Don't they call each other? I thought they used to do that. Maybe not. Maybe there's some bitterness that's brewing right about now for some reason. Maybe we'll get to that in a second. It's a bigger subject out there, and this really is what I want to maybe discuss today and get your insights on and get your thoughts. How do we interact as believers with the government When things are changing a little bit, how do we do this successfully? How do we do this in a time when our voice, at least here in California, at least here in Southern California, but, you know, it's true in in, uh, the Bay Area anyway, in Northern California, when we are, and by we, we, you know, we're the minority voice if we think that the government is doing the wrong thing or if we think they should do something better. Or maybe you think that they're doing the right thing, and I'd love to hear from you, too. If you think that the vaccine-proof mandate is a good thing, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that, particularly uh, coming from it from the standpoint of the church. Uh, What should our role be, and how do we do this in one voice? That's a big question that I have with a lot of things that I really want us to discuss, is how do we speak with one voice as the church here in the Southland to issues that come up, all kinds of different things. It's a big subject, a really big subject there. I think that uh, the school board's question and... uh, what's going on with maybe the FBI getting involved with some threats i don't think we should be threatening at all and i think that does happen but how do we make sure we don't do that anyway lots of good questions love to get your thoughts about that 88852 talks 8885282557 and i'm going to talk about that and uh, i got a suggestion something we can think about as we approach those things and how do we speak to the culture in one voice as the church But first, there is a much bigger story, something in the news today, something in the Southland that is very, very important. It is of extreme urgency that we get this out on the table, that we talk about it, and importance. Are you ready? Play clip number one. So
2: I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G. D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team,
1: oh. How about those Dodgers? This is a huge deal. Did you watch that game last night? I am still excited. I'm very tired, very tired. It was a little, a little bit late. Not as late as you guys, you know, in the East Coast. I don't know how you do that watching the West Coast games, but uh, I woke up my family. I had worked really hard during the game to try during the commercials, you know, to help the kids go to bed, And and my kids are a little bit excited about it, but it's a school night. They need to go to bed. And when that home run happened, I stood up with my arms in the air all by myself in the living room going, yes, 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 yes. We needed this win. It was just a huge win. My wife comes running down the stairs. What's the matter? (laughs) Nothing's the matter. What a great moment. Uh, did you watch the game? Some of you were there in person. I'd love to hear your story about that. It was probably some of you are probably still there in the parking lot trying to get out because I've been there before in this type of game. And you're- it takes a whole day to get out of there. You got to bring food and water. Make sure you've got that in your car at Dodger Stadium. Uh, I went to game 163 a couple of years ago where we won. And, you know, one of the things that I enjoyed so much about this yesterday is the sound of a full crowd at Dodger Stadium. The sound of the the fans at Dodger Stadium, it's the best. It really is. And no offense if you're in San Diego or in, you know Anaheim, other you know, great places of, of baseball. Uh every stadium has its own thing that's pretty great. Dodger Stadium has the fans. It has the loudness of the fans. And I think, just my opinion, maybe, maybe the only better crowd sound that there is is in heaven when somebody comes to Christ. That's a much better sound, much more full and rich. It's really, really great. But on this earth, in this temporal world, Dodger Stadium and a big game like that, game-winning home runs, great. great sound. We didn't get to have that sound last year, kind of a bummer with all the stuff going on. I thought that's important. It's important uh, for us down here. Uh, I know also that some of you are grieving, that there are many Cardinal fans uh, here in our midst, and we are supposed to mourn with those who mourn. So I feel your pain. Uh, usually, as a Dodger fan, when we're playing the Cardinals in the playoffs, we're on the other side of this. Uh, we just are. And uh, not this time, though. Very, very happy about this. My son, one of his teachers, uh, is a huge Cardinal fan, and he went to school all geared up today to tell, uh, to tease this guy about it, and I said, don't do that because he's going to be your teacher next year. It might cost you a grade. You know, just go in and say, I am sorry for your loss. Uh, this is what you do. It's also important that we realize that we're playing the Giants in the playoffs. The actual San Francisco Giants. I tell people the Dodgers are my favorite team. The Padres are actually my third favorite team. I've discussed this before. My second favorite team is any team playing the Giants. And uh, right now, it's my first and second favorite team are playing the Giants. Uh, Are you going to watch that? I I just can't wait. It's going to be crazy. Do you ever go to a Dodger-Giants game? It's gotten a little dangerous, actually. People are so intense. Uh, it's going to be really, really good. Anyway, I'm excited. I think that in the midst of craziness in our world today, we've got to spend some time and just enjoy something. For me, I enjoy baseball. I enjoy the Dodgers winning. I enjoy all the baseball. I'm going to watch all of it. Truth be told. You know, something else that was going on in the game last night that I, uh, Noted was umpire Joe West, who's been an umpire for over 5,000 games. I want to say it's 5,600 games since I was a kid. Since many of us were kids, maybe some of you weren't even born and he was already an umpire in the major league. I think it was his last game or maybe this playoffs will be his last playoffs. But one of the things that uh, I really appreciated that was going on in the field is both teams, many players from both teams, when they had the opportunity, they went over to him and said, thank you for all that you've done. I thought that was a very classy thing. Baseball Cardinals and Dodgers for doing that coaches, other people there. And Joe West, he gets some grief from the fans. I mean, some of you right now are already thinking of it. You know, Cowboy Joe West is his strike zone, you know, is from El Monte to Dodger Stadium. It's right there. Uh, But he called a pretty good game last night, I think, for the most part. And as umpires do a real good game, actually. And I really loved it. In fact, even during the celebration. So the home run gets hit by Chris Taylor. And if you watch closely, when the camera comes into home plate, there's a couple of players going up to Joe West in the middle of that celebration just to say thank you. I thought that's pretty good. And being an umpire, it's brutal. It's you ever been an umpire before just anywhere, Little League or, or just intramurals or whatever? Being an umpire is tough. It's really tough. It reminded me of something. It reminded me of a time when I was in Little League, uh, I started in Little League late. I played with my friends all the time from the time I was a little kid. We played wiffle ball in the street till like 2 in the morning. We really did. And I had a great neighbor across the street who didn't care that we were hitting the ball against her house and in her yard all night long. And uh, we had a great time doing that, but I didn't actually play Little League until I was about 11. And by then I played. It was my first year. I'd been playing a lot, so I was I was pretty good. And I played second base, and I apparently thought that the umpire – had made a really bad call. Probably he did. Probably there was some call that he missed, and I was really frustrated about it. And I thought it would be a good idea, and I'm 11 years old. I thought it would be a good idea every time the pitch is thrown in, if it's right down the middle, I would holler out, ball! And if the pitch was really outside or low or obviously a ball, I'd go, strike! And I started doing that uh, one inning on every pitch. I think I did that for maybe two or three innings. And, uh, you know, my team would giggle and laugh and, and other things. But then I came up to bat, and I came up to bat, and the very first pitch was so far over my head, the catcher couldn't catch it. It hit the backstop all the way in the back. And the umpire goes, strike! And I looked down at him. He was still in a crouch, and we made eye contact. I remember this eye contact with this umpire today. I remember it vividly. I remember his face. I remember the look in his eye when he looked at me. And I knew I was in trouble. The very next pitch, same thing, way over my head, hits the backstop. Nobody can catch it. It's not close. It can't even be caught. Strike two. I knew it. I looked at him in the eye again. He looked at me in the eye. Oh, man, I was in so much trouble. The next pitch was way over my head. I swung at it just because I knew I had to. I couldn't even reach it. It was so high. And I struck out, and I was so upset but that umpire put me in my place because I was being a jerk. I, you know, he might've missed the call before. Maybe he made a mistake. Maybe he wasn't a good umpire. I don't know. I was 11. He was given his time. I don't know if he was even paid. I will never forget that lesson. And after that, the funny thing is that after that uh, episode, every time I had that umpire, he became my favorite umpire uh, during the rest of little league. I had him for the next two years in little league. And I've always remembered that, that lesson, that even if we're right, sometimes we just have a terrible attitude. I remember after that game, I was still frustrated and just kind of hot about that. And I'm 11, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. My dad, I kind of thought, well, maybe my dad would be on the same page because of those pitches were obviously so far over my head. And my dad was totally with the umpire, which I appreciated so well because I think as parents, we have got to make sure that we are about our kids uh, learning the right lessons, and that's a good part of sports, right? Good sportsmanship, uh, being able to win gracefully, even if we rub it in a little bit like I just did a minute ago, and be able to lose in with the right attitude. And my dad was totally on the umpire's side and said, I'm glad he did that because you were being rude, and the umpire is the law out there is what my dad said. What he says goes, and if he says it's a strike, it's a strike, and there's nothing you can do about it because you aren't the umpire. And uh, I'll never forget that lesson. And that was a long time ago, long, long time ago. I think for us, when we think about stuff going on in the culture today, that we should think about this a little bit. I had a lot of pride going in there. And I think as I'm looking at arguments that are going on in our culture about vaccines and about mandates, about masks, about what do we do about the schools, and I think we need to be involved. The school question I think is you know long term uh, probably a much bigger thing actually than the coronavirus stuff, because this is what 's being taught our kids. I think a great thing that happened because of the shutdowns, because of the school shutdowns is a lot of parents, you and i we went to school didn 't we and uh, i've been fortunate that my kids are in a a Christian school, and we work really hard to do that. We sacrifice an awful lot. We don't get to do a lot because of that. We get some help from grandma, and uh, we've had some financial support. That's how we've been able to do that. It's been worth it because we want to make sure that our kids are taught morals, uh, Christian morals. Like, we want them to have a good education. That matters also. We want them to read and write and uh, understand science and do all of that. We want it to be good education. But at this age, we really want to have a solid Christian foundation. And that's not happening in our schools, in our public schools. Uh, it's just not, and I think it's maybe worse than what we thought, uh, or it's as bad as we suspected in some cases, and I've been proud of a lot of parents who have gone to school boards meetings and have shared what they've learned from the curriculum, and they've read it back to them, and it's been pretty good. However, there's been some, and some of you, I understand the passion, and it's your kid. I completely get it when it's your kid. I'm a father. We we take it a little bit too far when we are, when we take it someplace and we threaten somebody or we belittle them or we cuss them out in the name of Jesus. Or somebody I watched it one thing in the name. They had their wave in the Bible around and they're using the F word and all these different things to chew out their school board. And I just thought, you know, that's probably not the testimony that we should have there. Um, there's probably a good argument buried in there, but sometimes we get to be about pride. You're listening to Cultivating Eat, or to, I always say that's my other show. This is the Southern California Live program, Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. The number here is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Love to have your phone call on this subject. And the question, really, I'm asking is, how do we speak in one voice to the issues of our culture? It can be the schools, it can be coronavirus, it can be mandates. People are on different sides. And it's something that I've noticed in the church, right, is that we are on different sides uh, internally. I read an article today about parents who are just divided about vaccinating their kids or not, and I understand that. It's becoming, it's going to be a mandate, right? Probably that one's going to stick. Maybe not, hard to say, but probably you're going to have to do the coronavirus uh, vaccine for your kid, and if you're for it or against it, you are on sometimes very different pages. How do we do this as a Christian? One of the things I thought we should talk about is what the Bible has to say about our, our pride, because being humble in the way we approach things, being humble is is not about being weak or being squishy or being, you know, double-minded on things, but there is a way to approach things in a certain way, and I think that is really critical. Don't you think so? Uh, I think that there's something more we can do as a church to impact our culture to be salt and light, and especially when we're talking about education of our kids, the health care of one another. How do we find ways to do this in a way where we are considering our faith and we're looking at it through the lens of our faith? Proverbs 16, 19 is an interesting proverb. It says, better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share the plunder with the proud. And the idea here is that humility is something that's actually more valuable than uh, than wealth or here that sharing the plunder, than wealth that's gained or power maybe that's gained through um, you know, bad ways, through through you know corruption or, or falsehood or other stuff. And, and one of the messages through the book of Proverbs and through the Bible is that humility is more valuable uh, than wealth. That pride, when we have it, it gets in the way of wisdom, of thinking clearly about things. And it's because pride is founded on a misunderstanding of who God is and a failure to see other people the way God sees them. And I think that gets in the way sometimes of when we see people who are celebrities or we see people who are who are uh, on school boards or maybe they are in politics or they have power somewhere, maybe even police officers, uh, people like that. How do we see ourselves the way God sees us and then see the other person, especially if it's another human being that we vehemently disagree with? How do we do this? How do we see other people this way? in the sense of our need for redemption, their need for redemption, our need for Christ, their need for Christ. How do we do this? I think this is a question that we should be, be asking. You know, pride, the kind of pride I'm I'm talking about here is not the kind of pride you feel like about your kid. You know, I'm proud of my kids and I have deep love and affection. I I try to make sure I tell my kids as often as possible, hey, I'm proud of you. And they're getting old enough to kind of understand what I mean. You know, my my oldest son, James, 12 now he kind of gets it but for a long time he always said okay you're proud of me for what you know i'm just i'm just proud of you for you just for who you are uh and i want him to know that so it's not that kind of pride and i'm also not talking about confidence that we should have in ourselves. uh you know there's a certain you know for some people having confidence is somehow prideful and there i shouldn't therefore i shouldn't have it Uh, that's not the kind of that's not what i'm talking about i think we should have confidence in the way we are made uh to do this uh so, what is the approach? How can we move forward? The phone number here is eight 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 fifty two talks eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. I've got. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce your name right, uh, Lizhan. i from Los Angeles, Lashawn. Lashawn from Los Angeles. Yes. Welcome to yes. the program. Hi, Lashawn. Hello. How you doing?
3: I, I am. I'm one who I feel like that I should be respected for my. Opinion. If I don't want a vaccine, I hold no hurt to no one but myself. I think that it has went above and beyond the the asking of us. The masking. There's going to be a backlash in masking. We wasn't born to be walking around wearing masks on our faces for years on and all our lives. We wasn't bored. You know, I just, I resent that there was a time that they had, when it comes to us being as believers, they have chipped away to where we have no voice anymore. And they say they respect us as believers, and this is a country where we're supposed to, they're not supposed to discriminate, but they are. And we have a right to say what well, go in your body just like they have a right they think they got a right to kill their babies we have we we have rights too to go against the pricks we that doesn't make us not a christian if we say that we don't want to be vaccinated and they haven't been consistent about information they have not um they they the, the first it was Take the flu shot, or first you have to just wait it out, and then they want you to take a flu shot when we wouldn't get a flu shot, and what it really all boiled down to again is that they this was the first time that they ever was able to tap into that reserve money, and a lot of people they thought that was just gonna jump and and get that vaccine and they didn't
1: yeah hey Lashawn. Had, so
3: it was the people who they had the money in
1: so what do we do they, about it Lashawn? hold on a second what do we do about it what's well, the next step because i think is, i think a lot of people are frustrated so we, what do we do what do we do from here
3: i think that there definitely should be revivals and fasts going on for us to get on one accord hmm. as a body
1: yeah, as a body Absolutely. of believers, I agree. We we need to find a way, because I think there are a lot of people listening who feel the same way you do. There are a lot of people listening who are, are saying, well, maybe I think that uh, uh, certain things have been okay, right? And, uh, you know, I notice it out there. I know people who, they never wear a mask, even in, in places where other people are asking them to. I know people who wear a mask all the time, just wherever they are, and both people Feel like this is a, that there's a spiritual truth to what they're doing, also. So, I think this is an interesting, uh, interesting discussion here, and this is where I think we need to figure out how do we speak in one voice. The number is 1 888 52 Talks, eight 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 528 2557. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. You're listening to Southern California Live, and we're asking the question today about many of the things that are in the news how do we get on one voice? This is where I want to approach this. I'm talking about pride and how do we not have pride but do things in the right way. I'll be back in just a couple of moments. You're listening to the Southern California Live program. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. It is a fine Thursday afternoon in Southern California, the Dodgers win the wild card. We're just going to keep bringing that up. What an exciting moment that was last night, and I hope that you enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to that series with the Giants. It's coming up. The number here is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. And we started a conversation this hour to talk about the things that are going on in the news. Obviously, there's the vaccination mandates that are a big deal in Los Angeles. And uh, those things are a big deal kind of here and there and everywhere in different ways in different counties uh, here in the Southland. And whether or not they were enforceable or not uh, is another question. But as we get into those issues, and I think that you and I, a lot of us, we're talking about them all the time. They're they're a part of our life. And many people are in a very difficult situation uh, with these things. Maybe you run a business and Um, now you're being told that you can't accept customers. They can't come in. They can't come into your restaurant unless they can show proof of vaccination. And, you know, statistically speaking, I guess that's going to move maybe 20%, 20 or 30% of your people off the list unless they get uh, vaccinated, even if you're vaccinated or you think they should, right? That affects you. There's so many things that affect us. There are a lot of contradictions in what people say. And one of the concerns that I have is, as a church, when we think about these things going on in the world, not just this, but also with, say, what's happening with our schools and the involvement that lots of parents are having, and, uh, you know, it's a—it's an interesting thing that the Attorney General of the United States, Garrick, uh, <coughs> uh, Merrick Garland, who is almost on the Supreme Court, uh, that he is directing the Federal Bureau of Investigation, to start to look into what's going on. And, and I think some of it is because some school board members have been threatened, okay? That should not be condoned at all. We just can't be doing that. And he's not exactly, you know, sticking the FBI on people. You know, this is what it says his letter. He wrote, I am directing the Federal Bureau of Investigations, working with each United States attorney to convene meetings with federal, state, and local, tribal, and territorial leaders in each federal juris- judicial district, Within 30 days of this memo, memorandum, these meetings will facilitate. it's a lot of language in here. These me- meetings will facilitate the discussion of strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff, and will be open, dedicated, and will open dedicated lines of communication for threat reporting, assessment, and response. So he's not exactly sending the FBI, but he's getting a team ready to do that. And what concerns me is that. Most people I think who are speaking out are doing a pretty good job, but there are some people who definitely go overboard, and sometimes those those people are believers, sometimes they are quoting scripture or sometimes misquoting scripture. How do we respond as a church to lots of the cultural issues that are going on, especially when we don't necessarily agree with each other inside the church? Do we even need to respond? Maybe some of you would say that I'm interested in whatever opinion you have for this. Eight 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 fifty two 52 talks is the phone number, 888 528 if you want to join the conversation. And one of the things I think that we need to do always as believers is consider our own pride. There's an interesting uh, response that happens when, when Jesus tells us to take the log out of our own eye uh, whenever we're going to address something with our neighbor. Uh, sometimes we fail to do that. And we should do that for sure. And that has to do with pride. That's why we don't do that sometimes. Proverbs eleven twelve, it says, whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Uh, Deride, it means belittle or put down or insult. And the idea is it's non-constructive criticism. It's gossip or it's slander, or it's just kind of, you know, being rude, uh, going over the line in how we we speak to somebody else who's made in the image of God, even when we totally disagree, even when they are wrong, even when we can just flat out say this person is biblically speaking immoral, or even culturally, most there's a lot of things the culture still finds to be bad. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but one who has understanding holds their tongue. Uh, neighbor, who is that? You might ask. Well, it comes from the same Hebrew word that's used in Deuteronomy five with thou shalt not kill. Literally, it says, thou shalt not kill your neighbor. Uh, In the Old Testament, neighbor is generally speaking about your fellow Israelite, um, one of the covenant people. And there are plenty of passages that also talk about loving the foreigner as well. But neighbor is generally about your Israelite covenant people. But it's an interesting word because Jesus comes on the scene later and he points out then that everybody is your neighbor. And in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, putting down others, he says, will be subject to judgment and hell. It's pretty serious stuff there for believers. Pride causes that, and ultimately it's a, a lack of wisdom. So how do we speak towards these things without deriding our neighbor? That's where we get in trouble. That's where we, I think we lose some credibility. Uh, Steve from West Hills, you're on the Southern California Live program. Thank you for calling, Steve.
4: Hi, how's it going? How are you?
1: Good, Steve. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind as we talk about this? Go ahead, Steve. I
4: think uh, a lot of what we're seeing, uh, the negativity and the the controversy around the evangelical right and uh, vaccine hesitancy and even all the way down, not to be political, but down to Trump and the stolen election and all of that. I think that we are doing ourselves a great disservice and we're dishonoring uh, God in the, in the process when we act in this way, I think the Bible is clear when it says to render unto Caesar what is Caesar, um, that God puts all authority in place and that if, if it be his will, then it be his will that nothing is, is happening that is not controlled by God. So if the government is saying, or the officials or the authorities are saying that we need to get back, you know, vaccine, uh, where in it, in our belief, uh, where in our scriptures does it say that we should disobey or we should be uh, anti-vaccines or anti-government?
1: I think that's an excellent point, uh, Steve. Where where do we draw the line um, with, say, these vaccines or you know mandates for all of these things? At what point? Clearly, it, we're supposed to obey the government. The scriptures are very clear about that. But there's also a place where. Um, there's a time when we're not supposed to obey, uh, the government and different, uh, things. Steve, thank you for calling. I appreciate that. Where, where do we find that line? How do we get together on the same page with where that is in things that are not necessarily addressed in scripture specifically? How do we do that? Uh, Eric from Norwalk, you're on Southern California Live. Hey,
2: brother,
1: how you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks Eric. For taking my call. Yeah, thanks, Eric.
2: Um, I just wanted to chime in and, uh, I guess it's a little piggybacking off what the gentleman just said, you know, about just, I guess, overdoing it too much as a Christian with being anti-government, you know, and, you know, I understand people don't want their rights taken. You know, the government's not, like, saying, you know, you need to have an, you know, I guess, like, I mean, I'm against abortion, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I think some Christians become too angry, too mad, and to become very violent and quarrelsome where now those non-Christians maybe are looking at their behavior as, like, oh, okay, is that what loving, yelling and screaming at us and, and being really anti-government? Because you can get your word across if you're against the vaccine, but in a nice, calm manner, you know. And the other thing is, I went to Africa on a missions trip, and I was required by the government to get vaccinated before I go to this mission trip. Hey, I was like, no problem, I'll do it. How many Christians went on mission trips that were required to get vaccinated and didn't have no problem and just did it with no hassle? And they weren't forced to in a sense of, like, they were forced to because they couldn't enter the other country or anything like that, but they were still able to function here in the United States without any problems. So I guess people are feeling threatened, but still, I think some Christians are just getting a little too heated personally, and it's not showing a good walk, you know, and I just obviously prayer. That's always the number one thing, and I just want to add one more thing. I know you're a Dodger fan, but go Red Sox.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Well, we'll come to that uh, a little bit later. I think we got some uh, work to do with them, but uh, thanks for calling, uh, Eric. Appreciate that, You know, Eric uh, is expressing, you know, his view about getting vaccines and maybe consistencies on on different sides of what we think. But I think, you know, people he mentioned that some people feel very threatened and many people do, is that when you're forced to do something, whether it's a good thing or not, when you're forced to do something, uh, it doesn't feel good. It often puts up our, you know, our guard. And sometimes that's for really good reason. Um, sometimes. As a church where we have people who are in different places, um, when we have people who are in uh, coming at these things from a different angle, how can we uh, work together uh, to make sure that our testimony, as as Eric mentioned, is not wrecked because we go too far, because we deride our neighbor, like Proverbs 11 and 12 tells us not to do, but how do we do something that is productive? These are questions that uh, I think are really good ones for us as a church to to ask. I know there's more people on hold. We'll get to your calls here in just a moment. The number is 888 talks 888-528-2557. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is the Southern California Live program on KKLA and KPRZ. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, and um, I am getting somebody through the window pointing at his San Diego Padres with the, the number one finger uh, pointing at me right now. But we are here today to talk about important things, but to remember that the Dodgers won last night and how exciting that has been. And uh, that song, I Love L.A., hearing that at the stadium, if you ever get a chance, the Dodgers win a big game. Everybody stays and they sing it. They play it through twice usually, and uh, people know most of the words. There's a couple words in there that are interesting that uh, you probably should figure out what they mean before you sing them. But anyway, it's a great song. Hey, the number here is 888 And we've been talking about how as a church we can – speak, learn to speak in one voice. Now, I don't think we're going to just solve this right now. I think we have a lot of work to do, and I've used a couple of proverbs here to remind us about pride, and I think that's one of the things that we have to do is kind of get out of our own way sometimes. How do we speak in one voice to issues in our culture and issues that are that are affecting us in the church? These issues about the vaccines that most people are calling about in schools and other things, these issues are affecting us inside our own churches. They're affecting our own families, how do we speak in one voice? There's a few calls. I'll try to get to you here in our last couple of minutes. Uh, Dan from Rancho Santa Margarita, thank you for staying on hold so long. Welcome to Southern California Live.
5: Hi, thank thank you for uh, taking my call. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, um, you know, I watch a lot of news programs and I watch some conservative news programs. I see Laura Ingram on Fox News. I see uh, Kaylee McEnany on a couple of shows on Fox. And one thing that I'm always a little troubled by, I, I like both of these women. I think they're very, uh, very good women, and I like their moral stands, and I, I like the way they defend a lot of our positions. But a problem I have is sometimes they're on very partisan shows, and um, I don't know if you've seen uh, Kaylee on a, a couple of the shows. I think sometimes she's on The Five, and she's on a Gut. Yeah, deal, I've seen
1: her on several um, shows. Outnumbered,
5: I think, in the morning. But uh, one of the things that bothers me is they always have to cross around their necks. And I think if you're doing charity work and you're being loving and gentle and kind, wear that cross. But if you're in a very partisan uh, place where you're making jabs and attacks at the left, and and I understand being critical of the left and being upset, it's hard to find that balance sometimes between your Christian values on the one hand, but then your Christian attitude on the other hand, and it's hard to balance those sometimes. But I've seen uh, too many people wearing crosses on television that don't bring about um, that Christian attitude, that Christian um, humility. And, uh, you know, I just saw a movie called um, the, uh, uh, the Eyes of Tammy Faye recently. It, it, it mocked evangelicals and it mocked, uh, uh, you know, Christians. However, it made uh, Tammy Faye actually I uh, kind of endearing. Um, They showed her in a way that showed that she loved people. She seemed to care about everybody, even those on the opposite side of the equation. Mm. And uh, I thought that was a very interesting uh, way the movie was made. And then I also saw a movie, uh, Jesus Music. And uh, in that movie, um, they portrayed some of the harsher elements of of Christianity being judgmental, like of Amy Grant and some of the rock bands that came out, And, and maybe justifiably so. But it, it makes us look bad when we attack sweet people, good people like Amy Grant. You know, she went through a difficult divorce. Um, uh, I don't know exactly who was at fault <clears> on that, but yeah. Uh, but but there's, the there's. I think you're
1: Amy. Dan. I want to get to some other phone calls. I appreciate your call. I think a lot of what you're saying is, you know, you know, the way we're presented in the media, uh, it's kind of interesting because we don't have a lot of control over that. Uh, a few years ago, a guy named uh, Bernie Goldberg, who was. Uh, CBS News guy, and he wrote a book called Bias. It's an old book now, but in that book, he talked about specifically how Christians are treated behind the scenes with news writers and uh, other stuff, and uh, there was not going to be respect for Christians no matter what they had to say, and they especially like to go out and get the goofballs out there and put them up front. Uh, and the cross is an interesting thing. I think a lot of people wear it as jewelry, you know, and they don't really see it necessarily. I think uh, Kaylee, who you're talking about, she, I think, has a Christian testimony, and some others do. A Lots of people just wear a cross because it becomes jewelry. They don't... Uh, realize, sometimes I like to tell them, it's like, oh, you know what, that's like wearing a gas chamber around your neck. They look at me like horrified and like, well, that's how they executed people. That's how they executed your Savior. And I can get right into it with certain people if they'll open up to me with that. But the way we uh, are presented in the public, I think there is something about wisdom that and pride that we have to be aware of, that if we're going to do public things, if we're going to be in the public square as Christians talking about our faith or talking about, you know, cultural issues that may not be the crux of our faith, but there is something important to our lives and the lives of the people that we're with we do need to speak in a way that is effective but also kind uh let me get to a couple other calls here uh a- ann from carson welcome to the program hi ann
6: uh,
7: hi hi uh you know i may not be very popular for this uh what i have to say but um I'm very, very, very distressed and alarmed. Um, the Bible says it, the Bible talks about dividing uh, not just unity, you know, the word divides people. And we know the Bible says in the end days, the Antichrist government will arise, the one world government, and uh, he's called the Great Deceiver." And I am uh, very upset that that he has succeeded in this is deception, right and left. Christians who call themselves Christians, Bible-believing, church-going Christians are D.C. This uh, virus—I won't go through all the whole thing, but, of course, the media is censoring it. Uh, They're not letting people know the truth. You know, their goal is depopulation, and people don't want to believe it. So, anyway, the bottom line is this. You know, right now they're going for our kids in the schools. People are passively talking— uh, nice talk, you know, they're buying the illusion that they want, they're, they're opening up businesses, when when in reality, with the passport, they're going in for the kill, and people are like fraud, and, in cold water, doing nothing.
1: Yeah, And thank you for your call, I want to get to some other calls here in a minute, and uh, you know, I think that uh, we have to, one of the things I think we have to try to do, and I think it's difficult today is really ask ourselves what is true, and do we even know what is true? And I think there's a lot of things that actually we can figure out as true, I, but there's certain things that we're just unsure about. We've got to be careful about, um, I think, saying things that we can't. There's not really, um, I don't know, I, wanna, I don't want to say evidence. There's always all kinds of evidence. But we want to be very careful about making accusations about things that we can't really prove. And instead, go back and ask questions. I think it makes more sense to ask questions to try to really figure out what is going on here. Why is there a discrepancy between what, say, the CDC says about masks and kids and the WHO? They do not agree. Did you know that? That's a good question. Why does the WHO say don't put masks on kids under five and the CDC says go ahead and put them on? We should ask questions before we really get into the conspiracies and in politics. Um, I think politics are involved. Don't get me wrong there. But it has to do with how we approach these issues in a way that upholds what's true and in a humble way where we can admit if we are proven to be wrong or if we can even get to a place where we can say, I don't really know. I and mean, that's a lot of the answer, I think, sometimes is I don't know. Uh, Anne from Carson. Thanks for waiting. You're on the Southern California Live program. Oh, we took Anne. I'm sorry, Anne. Thank you for Amy Amy, Amy from Simi Valley. Thank you for yes, waiting. hi.
6: Um, I just wanted to say, I think as believers, I think a real safe position would be to um, be for medical freedom. So I don't believe in a one-size-fits-all medical um, recipe for anybody. So I think hmm. it's okay that, you know, if you want the vaccine, great, get the vaccine. If you don't want to get the vaccine, I think you don't you shouldn't have to get the vaccine. But I think we should all be united that it should be everyone's choice. Um, Because it would be like if you had cancer, and they only gave you one um, treatment for cancer. And we know that there's so many different kinds of treatments for cancer out there. And many of them work for some people, and many don't work that same one might not necessarily work for the other person. And so I think what we're kind of going head-to-head with right now, and I think a lot of pride is involved, um, but I think it's like we all want to be right about kind of where we're coming from, but I don't, I think that we can all find a common ground in believing that we could all stand for medical freedom, and I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there is something wrong when you mandate a one-size-fits-all for anyone in anything.
1: Yeah, okay. Amy, thank you for your call very much on that. I think, uh, you know, there are, there are differences between whether or not you think you ought to take the vaccine versus whether or not you, and it's a whole different issue, the whole mandate. Do we force people to take the vaccine, or do we force them by government mandate, or just because the market shuts you out, if not? And, uh, you know, one of the things I think that she said that matters is is how do we get to a place where we can agree, and that's where I'm really driving today. You know, there's a writer who writes this about biblical pride, and he said there's always a, a, A litigation going on in your head is the term that he used, that sometimes our pride is that we're always on trial and we're always fighting for a verdict that says, I am right. I am the one who counts. And I'm going to discard evidence that says I am wrong. I'm going to discard you if you disagree. Another thing, that's a big piece of, of pride, that every human being somehow needs to prove that they are right. And I think a big thing that we need to be able to do is listen to each other. I mean, ultimately, this is a really big deal. Proverbs 15, 25, and I'll finish with this for this hour. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place, meaning that eventually God is going to tear down the proud and he's gonna take care of those who are, are poor. We need to speak as one voice as believers and try to find a way to do this as we, even we are being divided. That's something that we'll talk about more in different ways uh, on our program and something that this a conversation that needs to continue happening Uh, Friends, this is the Southern California Live program. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, and I appreciate your phone calls. I'm not going to get to the rest of them this hour. And uh, uh, we'll be back in just a few moments. Thank you for listening.